Good evening. Today I have the lovely Martin back with me. Hi, Martin. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Hi, Donna. Name's Martin Tracy, author based in Birmingham. Um, not sure you can label the books that I do, um, but if you had to put a label to them, I'd probably say they're dark fiction. They have elements of things like the occult, crime, bit of a mixed bag, really. Um, cults as well as the occult, um, some ghost stories in there. Um, but I try, I try and make them thrillers and page turners. That's what I try to achieve. So, yeah, that's me. <laughs> um, and last time we spoke, I hadn't read any of your books, and now I have read two. Um, yeah. Vastly different <laughs> books, but, <laughs> although technically a series. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, now I know a little bit more about you. I can ask more detailed questions. <laughs> yes, you can. You can. Yes. So when you yeah. say vastly different, was it? Did you mean the two books were different, even yes. though they're in the series? Yeah, 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 yeah. So mine Gorilla first, and then Club Twenty Seven. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can never remember which way around it is. He's um, first, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're the Judd Stone series, although I realised when I'd done my blog tour post, it changed it to Judy. <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but it's already, it's like pre-done, so I couldn't change it. So I was like, I'll sort it. I'm sure people will know. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, crazy different, but obviously amazing. Uh, my gorilla is insanely huge. It is. It's a bit of a tome, isn't it? So, the, you see, the idea was that um, we spoke off camera and I says, like, you know, when I was first started really getting into reading, apart from any blight when I was a little boy, but when, <laughs> in my teenage years and that, it was Stephen King and, you know, he'd, he'd wrote The Stand and then you saw the big J.R.R. Tolkien books and that. So it was meant to be an epic, a foundation of just bang. Obviously, the content's different to the books I've mentioned, but in terms of size and and the sprawlingness of it, and, and um, also, as a slight tangent, my books are quite, I don't know if you get this impression, certainly how I write, they're quite visual, so it's like almost a film. Um, and so I'm very inspired by Quentin Tarantino, for example, and Pulp Fiction, where all them different things happen in an epic film um, and they connect at the end. That's what I tried to do with, with um, Mind Gorilla. But as it happens, even though I've done this big tome, um, every, a lot of people started to review it and started to say, I want to read more about Judd Stone. I want to read more about Judd Stone. And he weren't even meant to be the central character. It was William Chamberlain, <laughs> who's like his psychic, who's, um, but he's not his psychic. He's actually the main policeman in it because um, he's the DCI and like the mentor of Judd. Um, and he's got multiple sclerosis. And, um, but as his multiple, multiple sclerosis gets worse and his health deteriorates, his powers of telekinesis um, get stronger. So I thought that was a nice little um, sort of an uh writing context to do and, Ju and judge was meant to be the stone kick, uh, the sidekick but everyone tended to like judge and asked for the series so a series was born it was never intended um <laughs> but as it is now i'm on the fourth judge stone book as we as we speak and then um, why did you choose to write a character with ms 
Um, yeah, that's a really good question. So before Mind Gorilla, my first book I ever wrote is a standalone, and it's Beneath the Floodlights, which is about vampires and footballers. And in and in that, there's a guy with Tourette syndrome. Um, so it, it, I thought I thought I, I can't consciously say why I've done it, but I just felt like um, I wanted to put characters, real real people characters, you know. And at the end of the day, I've got um, an illness uh, or. or a, a, what would you call it um a condition would i say where my body doesn't produce potassium um so from i, I nearly died at the age of 14 and, and i have to put potassium in my body every day um so you know it's i know that it's a real thing that people have different conditions you know we're, we're all made different ways so i just wanted to kind of do a character or characters that that looks at illnesses and disabilities and that um you know because it you know that platform is needed as much as much as anyone I felt and it's just something about the multiple sclerosis I had been actually exposed through one of my previous jobs um where I'd come across people who had suffered multiple sclerosis and I found it quite um their stories were quite inspirational in themselves the people who suffered from it um and and um you know had to live with it basically um but it's just this concept of i understood as i researched multiclerosis that you know it, it can affect messages for the brain so i thought well I, I, how could that work um in a fictional context and it was just that thought of telekinesis um with the messages not working so well to move limbs but somehow it could happen where he already had powers of telekinesis and that was able to get stronger in in reverse it just seemed something that yeah i could i could, I could write around that so yeah that, that was it really i think it made him an interesting character um but as i say it was good that everyone connected <laughs> a little bit more um yeah it's funny how that happens isn't it um yeah. i mean yeah, I don't know why either. You know, having read both, I don't know why it is. But yeah, I, I like Judd as well. So yeah, well, Judd, Judd is. I think Judd represents. Um, he's flawed, isn't he, Judd? I mean, he's a bad boy, um, but he's got a heart of gold. And I think because he makes mistakes, I I, th I think in in retrospect now, he wasn't necessarily in mind gorilla because as I said, William the guy with the MS with telekinesis was the main character and, and Sud was, Judd was just like his, um, his foil in, in, in the, you know, you could bounce two characters off one another because they're quite different in terms of um, in their personalities. I think people can relate to Judd because he makes some mistakes, but he means well. I think we, we can all identify with that because sometimes we've, <laughs> we've all made mistakes in life. But actually, I meant, oh, my intentions are good. I meant well, you know, and, um, but he does things by the extreme, doesn't he? You know, his mistakes are quite colossal. Um, and it, by, by the same token, that he he can um, he's got no scruples about killing someone if, in his perception, they deserved it. Um, by the same token, he, he would protect other people with with his last dying breath type thing. You know, so he, he's got a strong sense of um, of right and wrong and um sort of 
justice, got a strong sense of justice and revenge drives him a lot as well. Um, which is, uh, you know, if you read the books, that kind of, I think, shines through. So, yeah, he's, he's, in, he's a complex, flawed character. He's a bit of a bad boy, but I think you can't help but love him. Because <laughs> I think he's got, underneath it all, he means well and he's got an art of gold. Um, but he just keeps messing up. <laughs> he does. But then he comes back in Club 27 and I think isn't quite so bad. Um, his good yeah. side shines a lot in that one. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And in Luna, when you come, because I know you're going to read that next. Um, similar things, you know. He, 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 I won't go into it, but he makes he makes colossal mistakes. Um, but by the end of the book, you see he's tried to make amends as best he can. Um, and where he's hurt some people, he's he's certainly helped others. Um, but he always he's he, he has got. Unless he thinks someone's deserved the pain, as I've said, or or, or to literally be wiped off the face of the earth, literally, um, he, he'll have no he'll have no scruples about that. But if he feels like he's let someone down, or he's hurt someone, um, or someone has got hurt just by his own actions, it, the the guilt's all like haunting big time, you know. Um, so, yeah. Is it? Is it? I've enjoyed writing about him once it became, yeah, I'm going to write a series about Judd Stone because people like him. I've really enjoyed writing him as a character and developing him over the course of the books, actually. Yeah. Um, Club 27 is based on the all the musical artists that have died, um, but also you talk a lot about numerology and the link yeah. between the number nine. Um, did you have to do a lot of research? Um, yeah, yeah, a lot of research. So, um, the, the, yeah, the, these, just the subject of um, these artists dying at the age of 27 is just something that fascinated me. Um, it was obviously the most recent one who's really really famous there's been a couple of others since uh, actually but it's amy winehouse um kurt cobain was the one before that um so it's always quite a fascinating subject um which i always wanted to write a story around with the numerology thing i knew that um as i said music is an inspiration for me and and it and it, and it inspired, it's in in my books as a theme um, and the Beatles, Judd Stone's a big Beatles fan, so he's just an extension of me in that extent. You know, I'm a big Beatles fan. And um, I knew that John Lennon had a um, quite a deep interest in numerology, and he, he worked out that the number, the number nine focused a hell of a lot in his life, um, which, again, he's referred to in Luna. So, you know, he, he, he was um, his birthday was the 9th of October, uh, his son's birthday, Sean, was 9th of October. He lived at 9 Newcastle Road growing up. Uh, they saw me Brian Epstein on the 9th of November. Uh, he met Yoko on the 9th of a different November, I think. Um, so all, all these number nines throughout his life. And he was a big believer that, that it was a, a part of his life. And he always said, actually, he would die on the 9th. Now, he was shot in New York at something like 10 to 11 at night on the 8th of December. So you think, ah, oh, John, you missed you missed your own sort of uh, thought process there by one day. But actually, in his native Liverpool, in our time zone, it was the 9th of December. So when we were all, all hearing the news that John had been shot, 
it was the 9th of December. So that's a little bit spooky. Um, but yeah, but, but just just obviously John's own story, Lennon's own story, I could take that as parallels with others and, and just start to look at numerology. Uh, was there anything in it? And, uh, and when you can't, I mean, you know, it helps to, to tell a story, you know, I've, I've blagged it up a bit for the story in parts and conspiracy theories and all that. I don't necessarily believe in all of them. However, I like to expose them and then let the reader make their own mind up. Um, but it was when I started to look at 27, it was like how these different numbers within the lives of the artists that have passed away, um, how it, and, and all these different little things used to add up to 27. Um, <laughs> and even those who weren't members of the 27 Club, um, I think I've done a bit of numerology around George Michael, and the number 27 comes up um, from his date of death and that. So it's just, yeah, it's just something um, I, I saw as a good, a good element to include, yeah. Yeah, it was really interesting. And I felt like I learned something, which is really unusual when yeah. you're reading a fiction book. But um, it yeah. made me think as well, which was, um, yeah, I wasn't expecting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. That's, I mean, like, when I tried to do my books, I tried to keep them as original as possible. Um, I like the idea of, of mixing fact with fiction um, and, and bringing in the old conspiracy theory. Um, the fact from fiction thing, that was a real inspiration from Dan Brown, because when, when he'd done that with Da Vinci Code, you know, you've got all the um, stuff in that about um, you knew that Mary Magdalene existed. You know, at the end of the day, it's a story he's done, but, you know, you put Opus Day in there. I thought, was that Angels and Demons? Well, there's different things in his books where he's mixed facts and fiction. And that was something that really gave me the confidence that that could be done within the story. Without reading Dan Brown, I don't know if I'd have done that, to be honest, um, to think about max, mixing fact with fiction to create mysteries and thrillers and that. Um, something I do like to. But, but then by decking that approach, like you said, it does create a lot of research. You have to do a lot of research, um, which I don't mind, you know, to be honest. Um, I think it helps give that book, my books, a little bit of originality, I hope. That's what I aim to do. Um, so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You've definitely achieved that. Um, the two I've read so far are vastly different to each other and to anything else yeah. I've ever read. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you've yeah. made that. <laughs> and you'll and find Luna's lot. different again. Yeah, Luna's different. Apart from the constant of Judd and his antics and his life and the people of the relationships he has in his life. The plot lines and storylines uh, are, are quite different, you know, quite different. And the one I'm working on now, Double Fantasy, with um, the fourth one, it's going to be different again, going to be different again. Um, Judge the only constant in it, really. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to reading it. That's a fact. <laughs> good, good. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> Um, if you were to be a character in, in any of the books you've written so far, which book would you choose? Yeah. Oh, wow. What a good question. Um, an obvious answer would be Jude, but I, I don't want to go around killing people, even if he, he thinks it's justified. It's something I can't, I, I can't ever think of me killing someone, you know, murdering someone, even if they've deserved it. <laughs> you know, so I, I can't say Jude. Um, plus, he messes up too much, doesn't he? As much as we love him. So I think it would be um, either from 
Things They'll Never See, which is about a, a rock star from the 80s that um, goes into the 90s after leaving his band. His solo career is not going so good. Um, he buys a haunted house in the Peak District and gets some inspiration. Just the fact that he has been <laughs> a bona fide pop star. Um, I probably want to be him, Jake Zenner, or alternatively, Johnny Knox, who is the captain of Kingsbury United in Beneath the Floodlights. In uh, he's a footballer, obviously, um, and, and he's not one of the vampire footballers. So he's one of the original footballers who actually, without trying to give too many spoils away, people are going to read Beneath the Floodlights. Um, he, he, he has to have some challenging times with vampires. Um, so, yeah, Johnny Knox or Jake Zinner. They'd be my characters, yeah. Um, what's been the most difficult scene you've had to write so far and what's been the most fun? Really good questions again. Uh, most difficult scene. I mean, difficult scenes, if I can say that, is... You know, when you're writing about a character who's got multiple sclerosis, you want to you want to do it justice and hope that it's not um, you're not writing it that could hopefully not cause offence. Certainly not my intention. And, and fortunately, funny enough, the very first review I got on Mongolia was from a, a reader who has got multiple sclerosis, and um, they told me that um, I'd got it bang on. So that was so, so pleasing to hear. Um, because it is a, it's a risky subject if you get it wrong, you know what I mean? Um, well, I didn't want to shy away from the character because I thought it was a good character and, and, it, and it made that character human um, as well. Um, so other scenes, you always worry about, you know, the, uh, the old sex scene. That, are you going too far? Are you going too, you know, I don't write J, um, J.K. Rowling. She doesn't write them sort of stuff either, does she? Uh, but... Um, <laughs> You know, E.L. James, you know, Fifty Shades and that. I'm not that sort of writer. Um, that, that's for other people to do and other people do it very well. Um, but I think I'll be blushing because my mum still reads my books. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, obviously, you know, that they're true to life stories. So sometimes these sort of scenes are in my books um, if I think it fits the narrative. Um I don't find them difficult to be honest and you know I don't I don't get too erotic because of the obviousness um that they're not they're not them type of books and that as I said that's for the people to do uh the most fun scene oh there's quite a few but there is a good one um some of the ones I'm writing now in Double Fancy are good because it's about um it starts off with Judd going to an 80s tribute festival. So they, they have a good laugh there. In, and it's set in Liverpool, which talked about the Beatles, one of my favourite cities outside of Birmingham. And Stoke-on-Trent, obviously. Um, and Luton. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what was a really good scene, and I've, I've read this live um, at, at readings and things to people, um, in Beneath the Floodlights, the footballers, um, they go into a battle with the vampires um and it's and it's inspired from from dust till dawn i said i mentioned tarantino earlier um that's sort of big fight um where there's no holds barred and um they've got a priest blessing 
blessing tap water to turn it into holy water. They're getting garlic, you know, all, all them cliches of how do you fight vampires and that. Because um, the Lost Boys, that was another film I loved. Um, so I think I think that was the most fun scene. And and and, and although like it's um, you know, there's some bad stuff going on within that scene. There is humour within it, and the test is always if you read it live, how do the audience react? And um, fortunately, every time I've read it live, um, people have laughed at the at the right time. <laughs> so um, so yeah, I think that's got to be the best, the, the most fun scene, definitely. Yeah. Um, if you were to team Judd up with any other fictional detective, who would you like to team him up with? Oh, what a good question. Fictional detective. I think I'd have to say Roy Grace from um, Peter James series. Um, they're different characters in a big, big way. and I, I don't know how they get on. Um, but I like Peter James as an author and I like the Grace Roy Grace series. Um, so I think it'd have to be him. Or... Potentially someone from um, Patricia. I can't remember the name of the detective, but I think Patricia Cornwell. You may know this. Did she create a female? Um, Garpetta. Right. Yeah. Hey, I think. Yeah. Um, mm. I think that actually, I probably although I like the Roy Gray series and Peter Jones and that. In terms of the chemistry between Judd and the Scarpetta, is it? Yeah, uh, I think that would work better. I think that would work better. Yeah, that'd be good actually. Ooh, I think I should yeah. give Patricia Patricia a call. See what yeah, I, I need to read this actually. Like now you said it, I need to read this now. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I read some of it quite, a, but it's quite a while back when I read read that, that Patricia Cornwell. Um, but yeah, it, 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 I enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, that that'd be a good one. That'd be a very good one actually. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give her. A, I'll give her a call because, like you know, I've obviously got a number in the phone. Yeah. Of course, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Anyway, I need to not to keep thinking about that because I'm just like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Do you have any fears or phobias? Um. Would you write about them, or have you written about them? <laughs> I would write about them um, a little bit um, in Club 27 when um, there's a plane crash in the Grand Canyon. Um, so I'm not so bad now, actually. I've kind of self-taught myself not to be so scared, but I, one, once upon a time, I was terrified of flying. Um, and if I still got on a plane now, I'd st as it's second off, I'd still be a little bit nervous and think that, please go and you know you wait for them seatbelt signs to go ding, and you know oh, it's all right it's all right captain said it's all right the seatbelt signs go off until that time happens it's like i still got a feeling things could go wrong um so a fear of flying um and and that that plane crash in the grand canyon um in club 27 was an extension of that fear definitely um, I've all, I always wanted the thing to write about a plane and I might still yet write a book about a proper big plane crash and that's the theme of the book um, but for Club 27 it's obviously just a section of the book um, that that uh, Judd gets himself involved in um, 
Well, I haven't really got any other fears or phobias. I'm not scared of spiders, nothing like that. Uh, flying's probably... Uh, heights, I ain't good at with heights. But I, I would... Would I write about them? Yeah. But just haven't... The opportunity hasn't presented itself. Something I wouldn't not write about. Um, so I haven't wrote about it yet. But would I write about heights? Yes, I would. Could be a plot line there about being stuck on a cliff or something. Ah, saying that, there was... Um, oh, God, yeah. There is actually... You, you've just reminded me now. So in Things They'll Never See, uh, he goes up a Peak District Mountain, um, Jake Zenner does, and he gets stuck. Um, and the actual original title of that book was Divine Inspiration. Um, and it became Things They'll Never See. Um, but one of the reasons between that was because he gets inspiration and, and you, he asks the question, is it divine or not? But... I felt I had some divine um, intervention, potentially, when I myself, so Jake climbs up a mountain, he gets stuck, and he thinks about moving on, and a cloud comes and engulfs him, and it stops him falling and, and going. You know, it kind of prevents his movement. And the same thing happened to me. I climbed Mount Brandon in Kerry. I split up from the guys. I'd had enough climbing, and I said, oh, I'm going to go this way. And we looked at the map. There was a wall on the map and it says, just follow the wall and we'll meet you the other end. And my three mates went up, up the mountain a bit more and I took this way and the wall disappeared. Uh, there was no sort of real clear footage. to, And, you know, even goats were hanging on like this all the way up this mountain. And I, and I got to a point where I thought, I'm, pretty, I'm stuck here. Um, what do I do? And... Um, I decided that there and then I was going to just go for it. I said, I'm going to go for it. I'm just going to try and grab onto the grass. It would have been a very silly thing to do and just hold the grass and try and get around the other side. Um, and a cloud come and it stopped me doing it. And then when the cloud had cleared, my three mates were above me and they helped me get up. So that is a true inspiration that is in things I'll never see. That's a kind of a reflection of the true story. Um, in things I'll never see, yeah. Wow, that's really yeah. cool. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's probably just coincidence the cloud come at the right time, but I like to think that something was looking after me, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the, the helicopter crash in um, Cloud 27, like my yeah. heart sunk, and then it's also yeah. one of my favourite moments as well with the microphone. Yeah which obviously I won't say, but I loved that. I thought that was cool. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good, good, good. <laughs> yeah, and I remember it stuck with me. So, yeah, I loved that. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and now I've completely forgotten what I was going to ask you. What was I going to oh, ask yeah. you? I don't know. Um, can you hear my dog barking? I can. <laughs> <laughs> They're missing you. Never, never work with children and animals, I say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if you were able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with? Ooh, dead or alive author. Bram Stoker would be good, wouldn't he? Uh, I'd like to, because to be fair, he kicked it all off with Dracula. Because, you know, I've been inspired, Tarantino's been inspired, the ones who've done The Last Boys to do vampire. There's been vampires, stories, novels, films. But he really sort of set the 
touch paper like with Dracula, you know. Um, so I think, yeah, I'd, have to, I'd, I'd like to talk to him to understand. I know he based it on Vlad Dean Paler, who was a real person in many a century ago. Um, but that was obviously a really kind of original idea he had. Um, and perfectly timed because it was of the age of the Gothic and everything, wasn't it? So, yeah, yeah I'd, like to, I'd like to have a chat with him around Dracula. Um, yeah, that's probably Bram. It'd have to be Bram. Uh, I'd like to obviously meet um, Peter James and talk to him. With um, he, he's quite similar to me as well. In, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal. I think he's a fantastic writer, but he writes he writes about crime, and I know he puts elements of the supernatural in a lot of his work. Um, so that um, that's something I'd like to swap notes on, I guess, um, with Peter James. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get him for an interview actually, but ah, I guess he's a busy guy. Yeah, he's a busy guy. Yeah, he's a very successful guy, isn't he? So, um, but um, it did. It did. <laughs> I, I messaged him once. I can't remember what it was over Twitter. I tweeted him, and you know, like on Twitter, unless um, someone follows you, they can't DM you. And I, I think I gave him some praise, obviously. And he followed me back for something like 10 seconds just so he could inbox me and say thank you. And then he stopped following me again. <laughs> but it was like, ooh, that's good. That was a good thing to do. Uh, so, yeah, interesting. I um, I had Mark Bill and wish me a happy birthday on Twitter. And that, that was that's good. That was awesome, yeah. I've had Keely Hawes like my tweets, but she's never responded or spoke to me. Um, but that was good, though, because I said I actually said that, um, you know, Giotalia, who's uh, in Club 27, I actually said, um, I tweeted Keely Hawes, I said, if anyone could play Giotalia in a film, I think it should be Keely Hawes. Not expecting nothing from it. And she liked it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, back of the net there. <laughs> Maybe one day, you never know. Never know. Yeah. Yeah, Club 27 will make a wicked film, actually. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, it's easy for me to say, isn't it? But uh, thank you. You've said it. So it must be true. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, um, like, yeah. one of the first things you said was your books are visual, which they are. So yeah. It, yeah. it really would, you know, it really would make a good film because you can picture it at, at every point. Like, it is. Mm. It, so, yeah. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to see that as a film, actually. I'd totally watch it because I love the book, so. So would I. So would I. Here's a question for you, then. <laughs> who, who would you see playing Judd Stone in a film? Yeah. <laughs> On the spot. <laughs> yeah. I've done three interviews today, and yeah. all three people have asked me a question. This is not how this works. <laughs> That's not how it's supposed to work, is it? <laughs> no. They put me on the spot. <laughs> um, I don't know. God, yeah. Because uh, yeah, he's a funny bugger. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, yeah. you can't think of. Yeah, you know, like when you're put on the spot, your brain just like I've got yeah. nothing. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> all just all the names and everything, all knowledge I have has just gone. <laughs> yeah. Just, just have a thing. Can let me know another time. I will. <laughs> Maybe by the end. Yeah. 
Yeah. I know I Mitch. Like Mitch to... Yeah, go on, sorry. As I say, I'd quite like to know who who would play Phoenix. Yeah. I'd because... like, personally, I'd like it to be kind of a bit of an unknown actress. Because um, I think sometimes that gives the sense of, I don't know, mystery or this, this, this. You can relate to it being more of a real character than someone I'm just playing, if you know what I mean. Um, and I sometimes um, look at people actually uh, on films, Netflix, whatever, and I think they could play Phoenix. They could play Phoenix. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, be interesting. Um, Did you see It's a Sin? No, I didn't actually. No. There's a girl in in there um, and she was beautiful and I could see her yeah. actually. I'll have to send you a okay. picture after. Okay. So I, I can't provide you a job, but I'll give you Phoenix. How's that? Okay, <laughs> that's fine. No, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. That's that's good. Good enough. We've cast someone in the role of Phoenix. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and if you get a chance, you should watch It's a Sin because it's phenomenal. I will, but, yeah. I will. I will. Yeah. It made me cry uh, a lot, actually. From like, I think it's six episodes and three of them made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> and there's okay. a lot of eighties um, music as well. Um, oh, right. I definitely like it. Yeah. yeah, Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, yeah. Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh, I definitely like it. Eighties, eighties music in you. Yeah. yeah, I like it. Yeah. yeah, I'll look out for that. Then I'll look out for that. Yeah, it's it. Uh, I watched it. I don't know during lockdown, and it's still. Uh, stuck with me it was that it had that much of an impact which very rare for TV so yes yeah. okay brilliant yeah um, getting distracted again got distracted earlier talking about music <laughs> and stuff as well with John Nickel <laughs> we started off talking about Blondie and we went all over the place <laughs> okay yeah yeah so oh, Debbie Harry was good though. Debbie Harry was good well yeah. still is good still is good yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, I asked him, so I will ask you who your first celebrity crush was, which is how we got onto that conversation. <laughs> My probably first one, because I've got a, an older sister and a child of the 70s, to be honest. And she obviously, as all girls were then, into Donny Osmond and David Cassidy. But Donny had a sister called Marie. And I thought, well, she likes Donny Osmond. And I was really young. I was too young for these sort of feelings, to be honest, Donna. Um, but I like Marie. But then, let's let me say, when hormones are raging in my years of adolescence, where it become a proper crush, um, you know, I like them two girls out of book fees. <laughs> <laughs> and then it become Kim Wilde. And Kim Wilde for many years after, actually. But the th the funny thing is that um, so yeah, I mean, have I got, have I got a type? I don't know. My wife's got dark hair naturally, and Marie Osmond's got dark hair. But then your Kim Wilde's has got blonde hair and that. So, but I like um, if you ask me, someone contemporary now, I like Layla out of Emmerdale and Carla out of Coronation Street. That dark haired look and that kind of exotic look. So, but uh, you know, my first crush, um, I'm going to say, was Marie Osmond at a very, very early age, and then it went on to Books Fizz and Kim Wilde. <laughs> <laughs> I love and I'd like to ask, ask you who your first crush was. 
<laughs> I don't really, I don't remember. Um, and I'll say the same thing I said to John, which was, yeah. I assume it was Jason Donovan. Um, yeah. Because that was, you know, I was born in 83. So um, like 88, 89 was when Kylie and Jason were, you know, in Neighbours yeah. and, and stuff. So I assume that that's who it was, but I don't really remember. Now, yeah. now it's David Tennant, I think. David Tennant, yeah. Okay. The yeah. accent, that's all it is. The Scottish accent. I'm not fussy. I, I love any accent. I melt at any accent. Yeah. <laughs> Did Sean Connery's accent, was it? Was that something that you liked? Not really, no. No? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to feel, I'm sure there's other people, but we don't need to know about that anyway. This isn't about me. No, we don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how we got there. <laughs> Man, I keep getting caught out. It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you're editing, what's your most overused word or phrase that you have to keep chopping? Simply. <laughs> yeah, and my proofreader, Jackie, bless her, on the last book, the last two books she's done. You use that word simply like that, yeah? Yeah, I do. So simply this, simply that, simply. Judd simply did this. Judd says simply. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Not definitely, simply. <laughs> definitely, it's simply. Not definitely, <laughs> maybe. Love... Definitely, simply. You, you know what I mean. Um, I love that. Every time I ask a question, authors straight away is like that. They know. There's no yeah, hesitation. Yeah. They know what their word is. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really conscious of doing it now when I write. So now it's been pointed out to me. Um, and I always try and think of the ways to, to write things. But I've got to watch it doesn't become something else now. Like, instead of simply, I like, like just, just, just. Uh, yes, just so. has been a few people's recently. So, yeah. 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 You don't want to go for what <laughs> you'll get no, shot. No, 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 no. So, striking a balance or just totally reword it, totally different. Um, but I am conscious of it now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, if you're able to travel to any period of time, um, forward or back, where would you go? I, I've got to say the 60s, and I? So I could leave the Beatles because I've, I've had to do it all post-Beatles, really. So I did enjoy the 80s. I lived through the 80s. So I, I'd like to go back for a day and just experience it again because I did like the 80s. But yeah, a period I've never actually lived through, although I did live in two years in the 60s, so that gives away my age. Um, but to actually live through the 60s and live through the Beatles phenomena and mania, yeah, definitely have a bit of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how many people, I mean, you know, some people want to go back to history, but a lot of people want to go back yeah. to a time of music that they were too young to experience, yeah. which is exactly what I would do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's times I've often thought I'd love to go back just for a day and different, like back to the Victorian days, just for a day to watch it all and even see how things were, were not good. Like, And it sounds really weird. Like, I'd just like to experience their lack of sanitation and <laughs> how the streets were and that and just see how filthy everything was. But there'd be something in that to see, you know what I mean? You see that piece of history. Um, or even all the way back to medieval days and, you know, walking around Warwick Castle or something back in the day. I'd want to be invisible. That's the other thing. Um, 
I don't want to be invisible and people not see me. Um, so there's lots of places I'd like to just go back for a day, but not, not permanently. Not permanently. No. No, no yeah, especially like no medicine, um, no anaesthetic and yeah. stuff. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. No, absolutely not. Um, yeah. And I was just trying to think what the beer would taste like back then as well. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not very good. Probably be strong, though. Wouldn't be watered yeah, it would down, be would it? Yeah. yeah. I think people, am I right in thinking that they actually drank a lot of beer because the water was so filthy? So instead of drinking water, people actually drank beer a lot and that. Um, doesn't sound too bad now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you wouldn't worry about anything else, would you? Because it'd just be wasted no. anyway. Yeah, sounds yeah. fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not for women though, because we'd have to wear like those massive skirts and corsets where you couldn't breathe. And yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm oh. sticking to the eighties. It's all that. Yeah. 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 Be care and be clothes in the eighties, though. But uh, at least they were clean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you don't have to wear tight corsets and like a hundred layers of skirt and stuff. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me the leg warmers and and the perms and stuff. That's fine. I can okay. totally deal with that. Leg warmers, yeah, remember them? Yeah. Used to just cut um, sleeves off old jumpers and use them. <laughs> <laughs> please tell me you didn't have a mullet well yeah I did <laughs> a little bit my hair believe it or not was naturally curly and so where everyone's getting their hair permed mine naturally was looks permed but to be honest I, there was a period of time I grew it long at the back <laughs> but in the main I had it I had it like big and long on top and then shaved around the sides and back so it was never like a proper Chris Waddle, if you remember him who played. Uh, or oh, Pat, Pat Sharp, the DJ. Remember him? Pat Sharp. His was a bad money. <laughs> Sorry, Pat, if you ever watched this. But you'd probably admit it yourself, wouldn't you, mate? So, uh... <laughs> yeah, I think he does. Bless him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it was of the time, wasn't it? It was of the time. Yeah. Yeah, if you ever have any pictures, I'd love to see <laughs> Uh, I could dig some out actually. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have a look for some. That would be interesting. We should do that. Uh, Tales on Trent. We all bring a picture when we were younger with the authors. Yeah, it? see if who we can guess it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Um, and I suppose we should mention the signing event in Birmingham as your. Yeah. In charge of yeah, oh, in charge of you. Hosting, I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm co-hosting with three other authors: Dawn Torrens, who's um, a really good friend of mine, um, really good popular author as well. Um, Read some of her books if you haven't. Um, Lee Benson, Andrew Sharp, again, both authors. I work with Andrew on the discographies I do actually, so he enables. Lots of authors. He publishes basically. He's an author himself, but he publishes as well, and he's enabled lots of these discographies, um, which basically you do a compiler's notes. You write a short biography of the artist, and you 
compile with the cover artwork all the all the tracks they've done all the albums so i've done john lennon i've done george michael black sabbath's imminent to be published and i've done amy winehouse um so they're good um but i've gone off on a tangent now <laughs> um, um so they have mine and andrew's name on available on amazon uh but yeah so the signing is with me andrew lee and Dawn are hosting it. We call ourselves Author City as a collective. Um, but it's at the council house in Birmingham, um, which is a beautiful old building. And really, really state of the art. It really is. You've got to go and see it to believe it. It's in Victoria Square. So um, those who ever come to Birmingham for the Christmas German market, um, a lot of it winds around the council house. So that might help you be familiar with it. Um, there's going to be about 70 authors um, from all over the world, actually, um, available there. Um, meet them, greet them. Um, it's only £5 a ticket, which is really cheap compared to some other um, events. Um, but that doesn't mean the quality is compromised. You're going to meet good quality authors. You're going to be able to chat to them, purchase their books should you wish to, um, sign copies, that is. Um, there's even going to be a bit of... Uh, get together on the evening um, at a couple of the local pubs so the authors and readers can mingle and everything. So a really good day out in Birmingham, um, which I don't think you can have a bad day out in Birmingham or an evening out in Birmingham. So, um, yeah, and it's coinciding with the Commonwealth Games coming to Birmingham. Um, so 16th of July 2022 is the uh, date. Uh, so get it in your diaries, folks. And you're welcome to meet me. And I think you're coming, Donna. You're a sponsor, actually. Official sponsor yeah. for the event. So, so yeah, if you want to meet official sponsor, Donna, of the Birmingham 2022 Author Reader event, then you need to come and meet Donna. And you can meet me as 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 not as such a glamorous uh, thing. <laughs> <laughs> you're the boss so everyone will want to meet you yeah well we'll see we'll see i'm just glad i'm i mean i've done a few of these events before um in york edinburgh, edinburgh um stoke before um peterborough everywhere and, and they're just liverpool manchester God, i've done loads um and i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed them so much in the networking and meeting other authors and readers that i thought it was a bit of a no-brainer. Let's put one on in Birmingham, you know. Um, so that's what that's that's how it come about. Um, it'll be a good good day. Good day's entertainment and good to meet and network and talk to different authors, readers, bloggers, sponsors, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> we got. Weirdos. I should mention as well. Yeah, weirdos. Yeah, come to my table. You'll meet a weirdo. I should mention. Um, We've got two sort of charities involved as well. Um, so a few of the authors have wrote in an anthology, which we've craftily called a bromology. Um, so they're all, they're, all the stories are Birmingham influenced. Um, and the proceeds, what's printing costs have covered. I'm not involved in that side of it. Uh, but anyway, proceeds and raffles on the day and, and donations can be made on the day. Um, to both Dementia UK and Cure Leukemia. Cure Leukemia. So there are two um, official sponsors of the event, official charities, I should say, of the event. So, yeah. So we'll be raffling off books and that as well um, and different things in the raffle. Um, 
so you can win stuff at the same time help them two very good causes so win win all around yes absolutely and i'm very much looking forward to it yes yes so am i it's coming around quick now you know we planned it three four years in advance about well, back three i'd say um, and it was pre-covid so you know we had all the scariness of like oh my god what's going to happen with is covid going to be over by then fortunately it looks like it is um and so yeah um it's coming around quick though going around very quick less than a year now so yeah, yeah. good stuff um i have the link on my page i think if not then i will post it as an announcement uh, for Thank tickets yeah yeah being a sponsor, fine. I suppose I should I should sponsor it really. Should, I think <laughs> you should, yeah. It's probably part of your uh, <laughs> duties. <laughs> it's all but, uh, on my website. What more do you want, honestly? I'm I know. So I'm wearing t-shirt, t-shirt and baseball cap saying author, author City in Birmingham. I, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. I do not have and a hat face. I have to wear a hat for my job. I do not have a yeah. hat T-shirt, fine. Totally fine with T-shirts, but <laughs> I draw the I line doing, at hats. I, really, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. I think you could get away with a hat quite easily. I've seen I have one pink hair for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it to be hidden under a hat, okay? <laughs> Fair enough. I, like that. I, I hear you. I hear you. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, trust me. If you saw me in my Greg's hat, I do not have a hat face. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, going back to the event, there's a Facebook group, as you know. Um, so for anyone listening who isn't part of the Facebook face, Facebook, Facebook group, um, then do join that because that means you can interact with the attending authors and readers alike. And there's sometimes takeovers and, and little promotions around the books. Um, sometimes even the authors promote them and give them away for free, which is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Um, so it's worth being in that group. Um, yeah. And lately, I've been sharing, of course, Mr. Tom Cruise is in Birmingham filming. Um, yes, he is, isn't he? Yeah. So uh, I've been sharing some of the highlights. Of, he's been popping up all over the place, having Indian curries. And uh, and then um, he was walking out one of the hotels today. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's, he's given Birmingham a right lift, dollars on the map. So <laughs> I should ask him, really, have you got your ticket for 16th of July? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you can afford a fiver. I, I think you can, yeah. <laughs> you can afford to buy everyone in Birmingham a ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, that's that's good. It's good that he's been filming that in Grand Central. That's that's really good for the city, I think. Um so yeah, all good. All good stuff. All good stuff. Yeah, see that stuff doesn't happen in Luton. People would try and film and get stabbed or shot and then yeah, that would be it. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't Eric Morgan from Luton? He was a Luton. He was a Luton fan. Was he from Luton originally? I know. No. Uh, I know he, he took the name Morgan from the town Morgan. But wasn't he on the board at Luton or something? Yes, and he's yeah. still there's the Eric Morgan suite at Kenilworth Road. Oh, okay. There you go. There you go. I know yeah. there's a connection somewhere. Yeah, but yeah, he he's not really. That's his only link, I think. Uh, we have Stacy Dooley, and. Oh, okay. Paul Simon? No. Someone else. My mum tells me all the time and I keep forgetting. But yeah, there's, there's like two people that are famous from Luton. <laughs> that's it. I, um, so, although I'm a Burnley... Paul Young, that's it. Oh, is he? Really? Right. Okay. I believe so, yeah. <laughs> so, although I'm from Birmingham, um, 
just up the road is Wolverhampton and probably noticed that I've got my Wolves top on. So um, Brummies would say that I shouldn't support Wolverhampton, but I do. So hey, hey ho. Um, so I'm a proud Brum and a proud and a proud Wolves fan, both of them. But we have Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin, and he's actually on the board. And I've actually seen Mr. Plant down in the Wolves, actually down in the in the ground, in the stadium, in the stand. Um, and you know, he's always always says hello and that. He's a nice. He doesn't say hello because he recognises me. It's because I'm going Planty, Planty, and he goes hello, mate. And so he's, he's a really down to earth kind of guy. And Bev Bevan's another. He's another drummer who is a Wolves fan. Bev Bevan, the drummer from the LO and Black Sabbath and uh, the Move. Um, I actually met him just before lockdown. He'd done a talk um, in the Glee Club in Dublin, and. Um, Met him after, lovely, lovely bloke, lovely, lovely bloke. And Wolves were playing that night and uh, in the Europa Cup. And he and he kept asking, he kept going, does anyone know the score? Does anyone know the score? <laughs> so, yeah, so we have a couple of famous Wolves fans. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, Eric Morgan is our most... We had um, David Jones as our goalkeeping um coach for a while i think okay. yeah that's about it really that's all i know yeah horrible place i've never been never yeah. been to it never been no. that's all i would say just don't oh, okay <laughs> honestly there is no redeeming feature whatsoever and people Isn't think i'm being Exactly, to get out. <laughs> that's oh, okay. it. <laughs> All the serious. Lorraine Chase done that song. She done that song, didn't she? Luton Airport. Ooh, yeah. yeah. I know, don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say that I'm from Dunstable, but that's not really true, technically. I'm <laughs> so, yeah, sadly. Anyway, we digress again. <laughs> we did, we did. Yeah. But you will be pleased to know that I have no more questions for you. Unless you okay. think there's anything I haven't asked you. That would you, uh, you would like? no, no, I think you've asked me a lot of thought-provoking questions. Um, so thank you for that. I'm always happy to chat to you, Donna. You know that. And for people to listen. That's all good. Um, I suppose I, I should just come out with the inevitables, like all authors do at the end of the meet, meeting. Find me on my website, www.martintracy.co.uk. Um, I'm on Twitter, handles Martin Tracy one I'm on Facebook. I've spoke about also the author City Birmingham 22. So always open door metaphorically for people to contact me and interact absolutely love to hear from readers authors people alike um like-minded people so it's all all good um we need to keep ourselves connected i think especially with what's happened over the last year or so um so it, it is valuable uh, social media in that respect has been a valuable thing and doing zoom meetings and all that kind of stuff people's connected so no, nothing more than that than other you know if you if you ever end my books are available on my website also on my amazon author page but if you wanted to just ask me something about books people can just contact me through the social media platforms and i'll be more than happy to uh have a chinwag about things so yeah 
and thank you for your time, Donna. You've devoted a lot. You devoted a lot of your time to me tonight, so I do thank you. <laughs> I have, and it's been a pleasure every minute. <laughs> uh, brilliant. So thank you very much then.